You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 106 of Sticks in the Six. Again, shorthanded this week. No Alex, as you can see. Alex works some more early morning, so we give him the benefit of the doubt here. But, Peter, uh, you're here. I'm here. We're here because Indy Alehouse has partnered with us. So shout out to Indy Alehouse as well yes. as we get into the holiday season. Pick up some of your cold beers over at one of the two locations in the Toronto area. Um but we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to try and keep this episode kind of tight. We're going to look at close to an hour. But uh, before we get into all of that, Peter, how are you doing this week, my friend? Uh, hanging in there. You know, last few days, I, I went for a tetanus uh, booster because I was due for one. And my arm is still killing me. Man, I don't know what happened with that. Also did some, you know, Christmas booze shopping because, you know, what's the holidays without alcohol, right? So, That's you know, right. I... I, I got my whiskey all set up and I sent a picture to you and Alex in our little group chat. Uh, I managed to spot some vodka in there. So uh, they vodka knows and LCBO knows to stock up on vodka because that is some really, really good stuff. That's right. A former proud partner of the sticks and the six podcast. Yes. And anytime they want to come back, we're happy to have them on vodka was great to us at our first mm-hmm. live event. Um, and they were great to our listeners at our first live event as well. So vodka yes. shout out to you guys. Um, obviously no free ads. <laughs> yeah. So, no free ads, uh, no free ads, no free but, ads, but it was great good product. Stuff. It was good stuff. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been, it's been a week. Uh, we're getting set to have our third live event at, uh, bottom line, 22 front street i'll make sure i don't say jump street this time 22 <laughs> front street um uh, so great. From the, it, i mean it was perfect <laughs> it, it was, was perfect. it was where are you gonna make that joke again <laughs> i exactly um but yeah steps from the hockey hall of fame it's right downtown there's a game in toronto on tuesday night and if if you're going to the game if you're in the toronto area if you want to come out and watch the game make sure you stop by the bottom lines for some great eats um it's the classiest sports bar in toronto owned by former nhl player wayne crowley as well so definitely come in and check it out wayne's a great guy to get to know um and we'll be doing a live show at 4 p.m so make sure you're there for that episode 107 that goes on tuesday um but yeah, aside from that, uh, we're just kind of getting ready. As I mentioned, Alex isn't with us tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, a lot of great stuff to talk about. We're getting into the world junior season. Um, as you mentioned, the holiday season means we're picking up some booze. Obviously, I mentioned the <laughs> Indie Ale House. I've got a local brewery here in uh, in, in uh, London. It's called Anderson's uh, Craft Ales. It's been my go-to for a long time. Uh, obviously, before we partnered with Indie Ale House, which I now be, now has become my go-to. <laughs> but that said, Anderson's is releasing a chocolate vanilla stout in the next couple of weeks. So you can guarantee in this dark beer season, I am a beer connoisseur, Peter. I am a oh. beer connoisseur. I'm, I'm a we'll beer give it away. I love, I love my beers. <laughs> so I will be definitely checking that out. They also have a gingerbread brown coming out that I'll be checking out. So that's kind of my exciting news for the, uh, for the week. Ooh. But with that said... I think it's time we get into a little bit of hockey talk here. Um, yes. A lot to talk about surrounding the Leafs. Great performance over the last week. Um, and obviously, we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, let's kick it off with a little bit of hockey news here. We're talking here on, what is it, Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Tage Thompson and the Buffalo Sabres had a game against Mark Shags. 
blue jackets um yeah. and and man uh, i believe the final score was nine three unless i'm unless nine four nine four so they mm-hmm. they i mean i wouldn't say they kind of made, it, made close, it interesting but they 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 made it you know a little bit more respectful let's call it that we'll call it respectful um at least it wasn't like the 10-7 game with the maple Leafs where they were up 7-1 yeah yeah but <laughs> so tage thompson goes off for four goals in the first period and already four goals and an assist so we were right away we're talking about the daryl sittler 10 point game mm-hmm. um the seven seven goal game that uh, set the nhl record as well um and the conversation was going he added a, th- a fifth goal in the second period and that's kind of where it stayed so Obviously didn't reach the record. Still a very impressive game for Tage Thompson, who's who's come out of nowhere and had this unbelievable year. Um, you mentioned it off the top. You know, you had him in fantasy, dropped him seven games in because he wasn't hitting the mark. Now he's hit yeah. his stride. Buffalo looks interesting. Buffalo mm-hmm. looks interesting. And I had them in our, our THW uh, preseason kind of rankings of where we had everybody slot in for the, uh, for the divisions. I had Buffalo as a bubble team for me because they have that young talent. They have Alex Tuck who wants to be there, wants to play for the Sabres. They have some goaltending with, you know, Craig Anderson obviously is the question mark, but Uko Pekka, uh, yeah. Uko Pekka Lekkonen. Lekkonen. Yeah. So he's. Uko Pekka Lekkonen. Yeah. So he's, uh, He's he's been playing well. He's been playing well. Um, but uh, anyways, I just I don't know if you wanted to add anything on that Tage Thompson note, but uh, he's he's definitely put himself in the conversation for the Hart Trophy. I know if you look at betting mm-hmm. odds, he's going to be right up there in the top five for the Hart Trophy right now, and deservingly so for what he's done for the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah, just looking at uh, uh, Lukanen's stat line: twenty saves, eight thirty three save percentage, and a nine four loss. Obviously, you're going to take the W, but the- you know, let's not take it away from that. Tage Thompson had a fantastic game. A Grant, Fuhr, Grant Fuhr had those numbers and won yeah, the trophies. Exactly. But yeah, five goals, like almost accounting for like just over 50% of the team's goals right there. That's impressive. And I'm just going to say this right now. Um, you know, what can you say? He's off to a really hot start. Like, you know, going from like a first rounder to possibly – being a fourth line, you know, highest ceiling type player to number one center and like scoring goals in bunches constantly. He's he's a legit goal scoring threat right now. And you can't deny that. And also, you know, we we hear the talks about like, oh, Austin Matthews is going to sign with Arizona Coyotes. Imagine what it's going to be like when Tate Thompson is a free agent born in Phoenix, Arizona. What if he signs in Arizona before Austin Matthews? You kind of have to. It kind of I'm begs t- the question, you know. I'm telling you, everybody's going to to Arizona. It sounds like it sounds like in in a few years, um, you know. It, I, I everyone, only just started this be right there. now. I only just started this right now because of the goal scoring. But hey, we're gonna hear more Tate Thompson Arizona than Austin Matthews at some point. Hey, I think I think we should start every rumor we can of everybody going down to the desert because <laughs> I mean it seems to be the favorite place for people to talk about, especially if your name mm-hmm. is uh, Sean Simpson. You love talking about how you know Matthews is going to be going to Arizona when his contract's up. So um, that conversation, I mean, let's start it right now. Let's start it right now. Do we hear Tage Thompson <laughs> going to Arizona once his contract <laughs> is up? Gonna gonna take some time because I, I can't I can't remember what his contract's like. I, I believe hang on, I'm gonna have to that's the one thing that I didn't search up is his contract, but it's probably already in effect right now. If I could find he just signed a massive deal, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 
I'm pretty uh, sure. Let's see. Uh, seven, uh, 7.142 million. So he's still making 1.4 right now, but his next contract is up for seven years from 23, 24 to 29, 30. Okay. So we can't start those, you know, no, Thompson, no trade, Arizona rumors. no trade but clause trade kicks in, no trade clause kicks in 24, 25 as well. So worth noted. So we saw one year. One year, one year of the of the Tage Thompson <laughs> to the desert conversation. Um, but worth noting, I mean, 34 points. He's sixth in NHL scoring right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just going to confirm that that, inc- that doesn't include his his game today. So another add another five points, on six points onto that. He's at 40 points. All of a sudden, you're talking about a 25-year-old. Yeah. That's definitely Top in the five. heart conversation. He's got 21 goals uh, on this season as well. So, I mean considering everything that's, you know, that puts him right, right there next to Robertson and David for, for the, uh, the rocket Richard as well. So the conversation needs to be had. This kid could be the first guy to maybe miss the playoffs and still win two major awards. So, I mean, I, I, we had the conversation when Shohai Otani won the MVP in the AL over Vladdy um, about, you know, what can a guy be an MVP if his team doesn't make the playoffs and, we could have that conversation with Tage Thompson when the time comes yeah. around as well. So um, hell of a, hell of a performance by him uh, tonight. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more about Tage Thompson as the season goes on w- because the Leafs do have so many more games against the, uh, against the, the rival Sabres as well. Um, I do want to quickly note uh, a couple injuries of note as well. Nathan McKinnon out four weeks, Alex Petrangelo out indefinitely for Vegas and, Jacob Voracek could be missing the entire season with a concussion as well. So some big names on that list, some big losses. Obviously we see, um, you know, that some of these teams need everybody that they can get. And there's a joke going around right now um, that Colorado, um, you know, they could use some players. They could use some players, (laughs) maybe, maybe an Alex Kerfoot as, as as one of you guys mentioned on Twitter as well. So (laughs) um, that said, little Vancouver talk, Luke Shen, former Leaf, Massive hit on Yurov Slavkovsky the other night. Uh, clean hit. Had to fight afterwards. Had to fight Jack. Uh, um, Jack or Jack. Jack. I. Arbor Jack. I. Jack. Yeah, Arbor Jack. I. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you know it is what it is. Jack. I was standing up for a teammate. We understand that. Um, but Luke Shen was also penalized on the play for the hit. If you rewatch it and you rewatched it before we hit record here, um, it is a clean hit. It is it yeah. is very much a clean it was hit. shoulder but in the chest, shoulder in the chest. And one of the things that I mean, Jeremy Roenick came out and he he noted on on Nick Richard actually co- uh, commented on Nick Richard's uh, post on Twitter that it was a clean hit that it should have mm-hmm. been a penalty. Um, there's been other other players, former players that have come out and said, you know, what's happened to the toughness in the league? Question for you: Do you like seeing these big hits behind the net? Or in open ice, we we should say big hits. Period. I mean, if it's a clean hit, I mean hitting's part of the game. It's got to be clean, right? As long as it's no head contact, no nothing. Fine, I'm all for that. But at the same time, if it does hit the head, then yeah, you got to take a stand. This is what you want to get rid of because of all the concussions, CTE, all the all the studies that have gone in behind all that. But at the same time, too, like even if it does a clean hit, it is a clean hit. You do see those injuries that happen that stem from like a whiplash effect or like, you know, another injury stems from a clean hit. So it's kind of like walking that fine line. But overall, the like that hit was really, really clean. And as I saw, like it was shoulder in the chest. Yeah, it was along the boards. Could have been dangerous. 
but at the same time, a clean hit's a clean hit. Um, if an injury stems from that uh, uh, as a result from the hit, it's unfortunate. But yeah, it, it's it's kind of like that fine line thing. But obviously, if he if there is no head contact, there shouldn't be an issue. But if if uh, injury results from that, yeah, it, it it is tough. It is a tough discussion. Yeah, I mean, the the one question I guess I have too is like, are we move? Is this a sign that we're moving more and more towards that non-contact play? Like, the NHL has has become more and more of a skilled league over the mm-hmm. last few years. Obviously, we've you know we talked to Jay Rosehill a couple of weeks back, and he said kind of the same thing that you know it, it you don't see the enforcers in the game the way that you once did. Um, I I'm curious because. I love the big hit. I, I, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for, for people to headhunt and, 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 you know, make big plays when they're unnecessary. But for me, you got a guy going around the net with his head down and, you know, Luke Shen just lowers the shoulder and, mm-hmm. and, and he's not known to be a dirty player. No. And, and I mean, he's a big guy. He laid a big hit on another big kit and, mm-hmm. You know, he went down hard, but I, I, I didn't see any sign that that was even close to a dirt, dirty hit. And and yet here we are having the conversation of, you know, he got a two minute minor. Some people said like it could be a some people were talking suspension the night it happened. And yeah. I just kind of shook my head at it because, I mean, in in, in today's NHL, anything could be a finer suspension like mm-hmm. it's up in the air. I mean, we saw Austin Matthews take two games last season when he cross checked Rasmus Dallin. And we saw the same thing happen against Buffalo this season and, you know, nothing was called against them either. So it's, it's, there's a lot of inconsistencies that said those kind of hits belong in the game. We need to continue to see those kind of hits as well. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Vancouver Canucks talk, Brock Besser. Uh, there's a lot of conversation surrounding Brock Besser and what's next for him and where the Vancouver Canucks go with this kid and, um, hasn't really lived up to expectation over the last, you know, season or two, obviously injuries have played a part, obviously the passing of his father as mm-hmm. well. Um, definitely, definitely one of those outside, uh, outside of hockey things that you can't control and, and, and can play a role in, in, um, you know, the mentality of a player as well. So, um, obviously no knock on Brock Besser. He's, he's, he's dealing with whatever he needs to deal with and we won't even speculate on that. But that being said, Brock Besser's name has come up in trade rumors. The Leafs have come up as one of the possible suitors. Your thoughts on the Leafs finding a way to fit Brock Besser into their lineup? Yeah, I don't I don't know for sure if they're actually in on him, but it begs the question because, you know, they do need a top six winger, right? Brock Besser kind of fits that mold. If you can put William Nylander on the left side and then move Brock Besser to the right wing, there's a solid, you know, top six right there. I mean, nothing concrete about that, but, it, you know, with the Maple Leafs that need help up in the top six and, you know, with defense looking pretty good, you don't need to go after a defender, although that would help. But, you know, I think right now, because he sort of serves as that playmaker and shooter, he would be a complimentary fit on that second line with Tavares and Nylander. Um you know, obviously, you want to try and get a gauge of what you're getting with Nick Robertson right now. Um, give him more ice time. He does look like, you know, he's getting his chances and opportunities, just needs to bury them. But if you want more stability, then, you know, Brock Besser probably would be an ideal candidate to try and round out your top six and make you more lethal up front. Then again, contract situation is going to be a little bit difficult considering he's making 6.65 for two seasons after that. 
if Jake Muzzin is going to be on long-term injured reserve and he's not playing, and we may have seen his last game play, then that would help out a lot because that clears up a lot of space for his contract. You know, you move on from an Alexander Kerfoot, Pierre Engvall, Justin Hall, those contracts that'll free some more money up to try and acquire a top six winger. But overall, I, I it's going to be difficult to move because Vancouver doesn't want to retain salary. They want to try and get a good price on him, and rightfully so. They're still kind of in that rebuilding phase. And if they could get picked for this year's draft prospects, you name it, they're going to they're going to want that. But at the same time, if this is not a price that the Maple Leafs are willing to pay considering his inconsistencies and even his injury history as well. I'm not even going to talk about the personal matter because personal matters are personal matters. You really can't control that. Um, But like for overall consistencies with his play and injuries, that is a bit of a concern, but if he's able to overcome that, it's the deal is going to come out like a big, you know, acquisition and win for him, just like, you know, the Murray and Samsonov deals. So who knows what can happen? So here's what I'm looking at is, as you mentioned, Brock Besser uh, owed 6.65 over the next two seasons as well. Um, he will submit a 10 team, no trade list starting on July 1st, 2024. So that's prior to the last uh, year of his deal. Now for the Leafs to fit him in the way of my, my mind's thinking is in this off season, you're going to be signing Rasmus Sandin and mm-hmm likely going to have to sign Timothy Lilligren as well. Yeah. Um, so right there, you're going to have money caught up, especially because of the roles that they've stepped into with Muzzin, Brody, mm-hmm. uh, Riley out of, out of the lineup. On top of that, you don't have the space right now to, to fit a guy like Brock Besser in. So if the move is going to be made, you're looking at a guy like Alex Kerfoot. You're looking at a guy like Justin Hall, but you're going to have to sweeten the deal and you're going to have to expect Vancouver yeah. to hopefully, or a third team, to uh, take on some of the salary, which means you're likely giving up the few picks that you do have in the upcoming draft as well. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not undoable. Realistically, though, a guy like Brock Besser doesn't fit into the lineup the way that, you know, um, maybe they could. Yeah, and I think, I think there's probably somebody out there with maybe not as much ceiling or upside as Brock Besser, but somebody that can play up to that ability on the second line um, that maybe you can get your hands on for a little bit, a little bit cheaper of a deal, a little bit sweeter of a deal. Mm-hmm. Cause right now, if you're, if you're retaining salary, you're giving up a first round pick. Oh yeah. And I don't think the Leafs can do that. I I, I really don't. I think, I think they've traded this year's draft. Picks. Yeah. You've, you've traded too many picks over the last number of years that you want to try and, continue to build that pipeline so you don't end up like some of the teams that we see now that you know their pipelines dry like you know pittsburgh's one of them right like you don't want to end up in that situation um so i i do think you know it, it'd be a great addition i think uh you know he needs a change maybe maybe he needs out of a canadian market and that's that's part mm-hmm. of it too i mean there's so much hyper focus when it comes to canadian markets um, and obviously big markets down in the States as well. You talk about the, you know, the Rangers and, 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 you know, teams like that where, you know, it becomes a focal point during the hockey season. Um, but I feel like he needs, he needs out of a Canadian market. And I just don't see Toronto being, a, being a fixture for him on, on that, that, uh, you know, that trade market. So I, I do think he's moved by the trade deadline. I think Besser's gone from Vancouver. They want pieces. They're they're still kind of in a limbo stage of a rebuild, and um, you know they've got some young talent. Kuzmenko, McK- uh, McKayev has looked great this year as well. 
Um, you know, obviously Pedersen, um, you know, Quinn Hughes, a lot of talent out in Vancouver. Thatcher Demko is an incredible goaltender. Uh, obviously he's injured as well right now, but, um, that team can be very exciting and Bo Horvat's right there as well. And he's a guy that they're going to have to mm-hmm. sign this off season as well. So a lot of conversations around the Vancouver Canucks and what they're going to be doing. But I do believe that Brock Besser will be gone by the deadline. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a matter of where he goes. And I think you're going to have to, it's tough right now in the season to find teams that can take on that salary. But um, you know, you get that third team involved, somebody that can eat, eat 25, 50% of a salary like the Arizona coyotes. Everybody goes to Arizona. Remember they go oh, yeah. through, through <laughs> Arizona to another team. But uh, it, it's it's definitely going to be the end of the line for Brock Besser in Vancouver, I think, mm-hmm. uh, as we head into the late stages of this season. So with that in mind, um, the World Juniors, well, well, well on their way to getting back to that December feel, World Junior feel. You got the Boxing Day special. You got, you know, everything. No summer that you hockey. Can, no, no summer nothing. hockey. These guys are going to be in the prime of their of their seasons, getting you know top end talent back into you know that best on best uh, type of tournament. And Canada looks filthy. Canada looks oh God, absolutely yeah. filthy today. It was announced that Brant Clark has been loaned by the LA Kings, and that Shane Wright has been rightfully loaned by the Seattle Kraken, who have completely mishandled him. But that's a story for another day. Um, and there is some speculation that Dylan Gunther should or could be going to Canada as well. And if that's the case, Peter, are we looking at a gold right now? Are we looking at gold, like double gold in my eyes, looking at gold, <laughs> just staring at it for the Christmas season? I mean, with the names that have been presented to us, then yeah. I, I mean, I, you would think that gold is anything anything less than that is just going to be a disappointment considering how stacked this team is going to be. I mean, off the bat, you mentioned Clark, Wright, um, possibly Genther, but let's not forget Logan Sankoven had a hell of a tournament last season. Brendan Othman, we saw how well he played at the U18s with both Wright and Clark as well, being that in-your-face factor and goal scorer. Um, uh, obviously Owen Beck, I was really high on him during this past draft. You know, you have, you know, Adam Fantilli and Connor Bedard possibly going one, two this year, back to back in the NHL draft. And they're both highly skilled and highly talented players. Um, and you already look at the defense. So obviously the names that they brought in, they want to get a look, but at the same time, some names aren't even going to make it because you have players with that NHL or pro experience right now that are going to come in and you can't. I'm just going to say this, Bedard and Fentilli are already locks. Stankoven's already a lock. Othman, Roy are probably locks, considering that they were at that tournament already. You have um, uh, the three players that were already mentioned. You have Olin Zellweger on the back end. Um, Ethan Del Mastro as well. Carson Lambos. You have a lot of players in returning key pieces that can do some damage, and I tweeted this out too. I even mentioned that, you know, with Wright going and Clark, I want to see a line of Wright, Othman, Bedard on the wing and Brand Clark as a defender because that um, 2003 year AAA team for the Domino's Flyers is absolutely filthy. And we all know how well Brand Clark, Wright, and Brendan Othman played on that team. So to see that we saw that at the U18s, not together on uh, the same line, but if they're able to be on the same line as the World Juniors with the top prop uh, prospect in 2023, 
that's going to be a hell of a fun to watch. Yeah, no, absolutely. Is there one guy that really stands out to you as a as a as a possible bubble guy that can make the cut? Um, I want to. I it, it's interesting because a lot of players that they filled in, I think they were they wanted to try and get a good gauge on. But I think Jordan Dumay from Halifax, I think he has a he's had a really good season. You know, at the rookie tournament, he was a lights out good for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So with the season that he's having right now, uh, with Halifax, you know, 54 points in 25 games. On pace for 142 and 66, that's really impressive. So I think maybe if you're looking for someone as like a 13th forward kind of thing, I think he could be like what Logan Stankoven was or what Connor Bedard was, you know, before the cancellation last year. And then if anything happens, work his way up. Um, you know, even just looking at the roster right now, I think Evan Nelson on defense, I've always loved this two-way play. And his stability on the back end, I think he would be a really good addition right there for Team Canada as well. Um, even Riley Kidney, I, th- I think look out for him. And Montreal's got a lot of prospects on this team as well that can possibly crack the roster as well. Evan Nose, I'm glad you you uh, brought him up because he's a guy that during his draft year I was very high on. Um, obviously, very yeah, and uh, you know, <laughs> wrote his profile too, so. There you go. There you go. So what he's been doing so far with the uh, Quebec Ramparts, the QMJHL, uh, 15 points in 22 games, um, you know, adds a little bit of spice as well. He's got 22 penalty minutes and he's a plus 23 through those 22 games. So uh, he's projected to finish the year with 43 points in 62 games. Um, A guy that definitely can bring that two way game. Um, and, And again, he's a guy that, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of and, and what better way to do it on the international stage mm-hmm. with team Canada, with a loaded team Canada, as we, as you mentioned. Um, so with, with that said, um, I was going to say the, the U S has also released their, their, uh, their roster as well. A guy that we, and, and we should note that Toronto Maple Leafs have how many prospects in the uh, world junior so far? Zero. Zero. None. And, the U.S. had the opportunity to put the OHL's leading scorer Ty Voigt on the uh, on the the team as well. Uh, a lot of conversation around why they did not. Um, speculation that you know, obviously, there's there's that belief that with him going and playing in the O, sometimes mm-hmm. there's that that disconnect as well. But um, your thoughts on Ty Voigt not making that cut? Um, obviously. You know, with 48 points in 27 games, he seems like a an easy answer. But um, your thoughts on Ty Voigt not making that making that roster? Yeah, it's really questionable. I mean, you take a look at like how Tyler Boucher made it, and I get Tyler Biggs vibes with Tyler Boucher, where you don't get a whole lot of upside from him, but you get like obviously, I don't think Ty Voigt was going to be a top six player on this team, but I think he would have been a great depth addition given his ability to you know, play at a high pace with his playmaking, his speed, his edge work, his hands is just on point. And it's like screams, you know, kind of elite level. And the Maple Leafs did well drafting him fifth in the fifth round. But um, yeah, very, very questionable move. And it's very, and like you said, it's the whole belief that they want to try and go the development team or like players that have played in that system before with the familiarity, kind of like, you know, what we saw with the world juniors in the past where Russians want to draft or take prospects playing in Russia as opposed to Russian prospects playing in Canada as well. So we kind of saw it, it kind of brings me back to that mentality. But meanwhile, why wouldn't you just get the best players that ha- give you the best chance? 
Because I don't think Tyler Boucher, as good as he is physically, I don't think he's going to put up a whole lot of points unless he's just going to be standing around while everybody else is doing the work. Ty Void is going to get you the puck. He's going to be creating plays. He's going to be an impact player every single time he's going to be on. But that's just me. It it gives me that same kind of vibe as like the Russian Olympic team. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. take anybody that plays outside of the KHL. And if they do, they're playing limited time. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of kind of disconnect between the players and the coaches. Um, but I mean, you mentioned Tyler Boucher, uh, first round pick in 2021, 10th overall. And that's probably why he's made the team is because he's a first round pick. Um, even though he shouldn't have, but even though he shouldn't have, I know we've all had that conversation. Oh yeah. Obviously he's a guy that plays in the O as well. Um, but he did have that run with the U S development team as well, uh, from 2020, um, Sorry, 1920 to uh, 21, 22 when he went to Boston University. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the conversation's there. And I think, obviously, you know, it, it'll it'll depend entirely on how the U.S. does at the tournament. If the U.S., you know, blanks at the tournament and all of a sudden there's going to be that conversation that, hey, maybe we didn't take the right guys or they're going to have to look internally as to why why they didn't get it done. But hindsight's twenty twenty. We're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and dwell on the fact that Ty Voigt didn't make the uh, the tournament. Obviously, we'd we'd love to see him. Like I said, seeing him on an international stage and and playing against the best in the world, um, you know that's that's what you want to see for any of your team's prospects. But unfortunately for the Maple Leafs, that's not going to be the case for a guy like Ty Voigt uh, this time around. Um, so we will simply watch as fans, not as as Maple Leaf spectators when, when the, uh, the world juniors kicks off in just a couple of weeks here. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy to think that it's, it's only a couple yeah. of weeks away. But For those wondering why no Niemela, no Hirvanen, no nice 20 years old, their runs over. Their runs over. There's they've had good, they've had good runs though. Oh yeah. They've had good runs. They did. Especially Niemela. I think he looked pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> And with that, we're going to get into our Maple Leaf talk. But before we do, as I mentioned off the top of the show, it's holiday season. And that means hockey's back. And so are the Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out of watching the, or watching the game at home with the gang. What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at the NDL House in Toronto. With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay and Bloor, the Biroteca location. They have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly specials, special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is their motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks like myself to mainstream Pilsners and easy drinking options. Indie Alehouse is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indiealehouse.com to place your order today. I should also mention that they will be in at the bottom line starting in January as well. So you can come down, watch our live show in January and grab a pint of Indie Ale House product. So very exciting for them. Very exciting for us yes. as our partners are kind of colliding um, 
one at a time. Eh? We had vodka there. Now we collaborate. Have the collaboration India is has, real. I think I think we're working this well. We're working this oh, really yeah. well. But, um, definitely. I've ha- I've had a few of the Indie Ale House drinks now. Uh, yes. The Indian Skater IPA, obviously the Marco Polo. And shout out to Barry, uh, their rep in the in the Toronto area, who has dropped off some beer mm-hmm. for us at our live events and. Hopefully we'll be there again on Tuesday to drop off another nice six pack for the boys as we uh, get our show underway as well. There um, we go. But yeah, so Leaf talk, lots of, lots going on for the Leafs. Um, obviously, I think we got to kick it off with magical Mitch Marner and what he's been able to do this season. Twenty game point streak. There's just two games this season that he hasn't recorded a point. Um, there are, there are live odds on things like FanDuel that, you know, you can bet on how he's going to extend the streak. Was it, is it going to be, even I thought I saw like a this? 27 game streak or something like that. that you can I, bet on. I think, I think right now it's up to what the over under is going to be on his, it was at 20 and a half. I'm sure they've pumped it up to 23 and a half or something like that. So you can, you can bet on the over under. But uh, you can bet on how he extends it. So shorthanded goal, mm-hmm. shorthanded assist, and I can guarantee you, not many had that shorthanded goal that he 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 uh, got against Tampa the other night. Oh yeah, but uh, seems to be getting it done very quickly. First periods always, uh, you know, getting a little tuck, or uh, I believe he's on a six game uh, goal streak as well now. So it's or sorry, he didn't record a goal in his last in the last game. He had a five Dallas. game goal That's streak, right. five before. game goal streak in the midst of his twenty game point streak. Um, but what he's done this season, Peter, is just unbelievable. And the critics, we've talked about it throughout the season. They sh- they basically shit on Tavares in the offseason. He's he's proved them wrong. Um, they've they've shot all over the goaltending. So far, so good. Proven the def- wrong. The defense, Giordano being one of them as, as an older player. Um, so far, it looks pretty good, even with three of their main guys out of the lineup. Uh, for extended periods of time, you've got Nylander consistently has been the, co- the topic of conversation when it comes to trading. He's he's done wonders for this team. Matthews, they've criticized what he's done early on, and still he's goals. sitting there with 13 goals and over a point a game. Um, mm-hmm. And then Mitch Marner. Then we talk about Mitch Marner and there's always going to be that conversation of can he get it done come playoff time? That's not the conversation we're having right now. And it will be a conversation that we bring up later in the season. And it's one that we will discuss um, as they get into that first round. But right now, Mitch Marner is putting up one hell of a run. And he's not even in the top 10 when it comes to scoring in the league right now, but he's getting there. And the, 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 fact that he's been able to record a point in every game this season aside from two games this kid is 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 he's been well he's been magical for for mm-hmm. the lack of a better term so what are your thoughts on Mitch Marner's run what are your thoughts on can he extend this um and is it something that we could be talking about maybe a fan duel bet of 27 and a half games <laughs> uh i i'm i'm going to leave the betting to you and alex cuz you guys seem to be the pro pros on there but uh yeah it, it's absolutely phenomenal the two games that he hasn't recorded a point was back on october 20th against the dallas stars and 24th against the vegas golden knights the game against the san jose sharks where he had a goal and assist that is when the streak started and it has gone on consistently until then and 
like you mentioned, he's not having like three, four, five point games, kind of like Tage Thompson's having right now, or even like uh, Jason Robertson with his goal scoring. But he's pretty, as long as he, like, he's just producing consistently with one or two points per game because offense has started to like even itself out quite a bit right now between the two lines. It, you can't help but feel happy for Mitch. Like if you, if you're still in that mindset that, oh, he had a slow start last season, it's going to come crumbling down. That was last season. He made up for it. He got not necessarily got his act together, but you know, he started to produce a little bit more. I was, I'm, I'm almost going to be hundred percent certain. This is just my theory. The playoffs still weighed on him against Montreal at the start of last season. And I think it kind of like weighed on him at the start. And then that's when the second start, second half started when he came back from COVID that's when he went on a heater. He's still on a heater right now. So whatever happened at the end of last season carried over to this one. And yeah, it's just absolutely phenomenal what he's able to do. Um, looking at the actual record uh, on NHL records, longest point streaks, he's, he's ranked 31st among in history. And we don't know if he's actually going to get to Wayne Gretzky, Mary Lemieux type status, but you know, looking at over the last 10 seasons among players to like get a decent point streak going, he is tied with Paul Stastny and Patrick Kane. Stastny had one in 2007, Patrick Kane in 2019. Um, the next one to have one in the last 20 years was Danny Heatley with the Ottawa Senators in 0506. Then there's Sidney Crosby in 2010, and then Patrick Kane with 26 in 2015. And that is the longest one possibly in the last 20 years. So Mitch Marner is literally five, four, uh, six games away. He's on 20 right now, six games away from tying Patrick Cannon. If he's able to do that right now, then you know what? He's going to be in the record books because he's tied 31st overall right now. He can possibly get into that top 10 or 11th right now and surpass Patrick Kane because these are players currently playing in the NHL right now that have had point streaks. And the fact that he's in an active one right now says a lot about him, his play. And we're seeing him do it all the passing, the skating that he like, he's just dancing on the ice right now. And even shooting the puck a little bit more like we saw last season. Um, you know, the fact that he's able to continue that being that playmaking shooting threat right now, watch out because he's just going to be get even more dangerous at this point. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Tage Thompson as a potential heart candidate. If if Marner continues, I'm not saying he's going to continue this streak the rest the remainder of the season, but if he continues a run like this where he puts up the points that he is, a potential 100-point season is first in the NHL. You got to be you got to consider him in the heart conversation. And I'm not saying he's going to be a top 3 candidate. I'm saying he's going to be in the conversation. He he what he's done for this team, the the, the spots where he's lifted them up and I, I I came up with a piece at the uh, the hockey writers this week yes. um, about that this streak isn't just about his offensive numbers and don't get me wrong the offensive numbers are entirely impressive but it's the block shot that he had on Jason Robertson last night against Dallas where down five on three penalty killing mm-hmm. the only forward loses a stick and somehow makes the read to get his hand down in time to block a shot off right in front of the stick of Jason Robertson. Those are the kind of plays that are unheralded. Like those are the ones that we don't talk about enough when a player, I mean, 
this guy should be in the Selkie conversation for that play alone. Yeah. The, He's going to be read, possibly 100 points while playing PK. While playing PK, while playing on the power play, while averaging over 21 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. A guy averaging over 21 minutes a game and playing in all situations and playing as well as he does in all situations. Um, he's got to be in the conversation in both the heart in the Selkie um, and, and the numbers that he's been able to do the stick checks, top 10 block shops, top 10. Um, just the, the, those are the kind of plays that we don't talk about enough. And that all that considered, here's a breakdown of his 20 game point streak, six, five on five goals, eight, five on five assists, one power play goal, nine power play assists, one shorthanded goal, one shorthanded assist, and only one empty netter. So if you're not, if you don't have him in the conversation, uh, you should. And on top of that, as you mentioned, he is just the third active player with a point streak over 20 games. Uh, sorry, fourth, fourth active player with Patrick mm-hmm. Kane, Sidney Crosby, and Paul Stastny back in 06, 07 as well. Um, also, also worth noting that over the last 365 days, that's a calendar year for those who can't manage their calendars. <laughs> he's just two points or sorry, three or I believe three points shy of Connor McDavid for overall points in the last 365 days. Is that good? Do we want to talk about what they get paid? Because I can guarantee you that those people that were saying Mitch Marner was overpaid are, are not, not having that, that conversation right now. Right now. They're he's only overpaid when he's not producing. Right. And I mean, maybe he hasn't had the first round success that Connor McDavid has had. But do you know how many Stanley Cups Connor McDavid has? Well, if I recall, still zero. How many Stanley Cups does Mitch Marner have? Zero. So for me, the 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 playing field's even right now. And I'm not yeah. saying Mitch Marner's the greatest player to ever play the game. Don't don't come in here and twist my words. <laughs> I am saying that the conversation needs to be had that maybe this guy isn't overpaid for what he does for this, this team. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And I think the biggest thing was last season when you expected him to try and turn the page, obviously there's going to be some criticism. And I believe even me and Alex, we even said that, you know, if he's going to be paid like a top player, he's got to step up and kind of produce like one. But even so, I think, like I said, at the beginning, I still think, Last year's playoff loss still weighed weighed on him quite a bit. But as soon as he was able to get back into the mindset and get back into the swing of things, he is absolutely lights out. And we're seeing that right now. And I think it's gonna I think it's gonna go longer. I think it's gonna go longer than just the 20 games right now. Um because every single time he's buzzing and creating chances, and that's the main important thing right now. Like you said too, and you even uh I did you mention the some of the stats that Mike Kelly tweeted out as well? Because those are the stat, those are the stats that are what are eye popping to me. How he's able to come back and still be a defensive pre- presence, but still being, you know, dangerous on on the offensive side as well. That to me is really important. How he's excelling on both sides of the puck. Yeah, no, and that that's I think that's the thing that needs to be focused on as well. Is it's it shouldn't just be a conversation on hey this guy's getting points, although that is impressive in terms of what he's been able to do. Um, but it needs to be a conversation of what he's done entirely for this team. And that I, I, I keep bringing up this block shot and this penalty kill at the tail end of uh, the I believe second, it was period. The f- second period. Yeah. And uh, obviously a stupid play by Justin Hall, closing his hand on the mitt on the puck and, and trying to throw it, it out of his zone um, uh, to put them uh, down two men. 
And I'm I'm telling you, my heart was beating because I was like, this is where they score. This is where yep. Dallas turns the game around. And thanks to Mitch Marner, thanks to the two Swedes on the back end in Sandine and Lilligren, and thanks to Matt Murray, that conversation didn't have to happen because mm-hmm. they got it done. And those were those plays that, you know, he blocked a shot for Matt Murray. He made it so that he didn't have to didn't have to make a play. And this was just at the 17 game mark. You might mention Mike Kelly. At the, going into the 18th game of his streak, he was second in blocked passes with 81, seventh in stick checks with 23, and 10th in block shots with 16. So, I mean, have the conversation all you want about how impressive his offensive numbers have been this year. This is a guy that's getting it done on all, all in all areas of the ice, on in all situations um, in the game, and, and really being a defensive. Uh, you know, Stallworth when, you know, they, they had the conversation, they were going to play him on defense as well. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who can obviously add something in his own zone. And I, I just think there's more, there's more to the Mitch Monitor conversation than just saying, Hey, he's on a 20 game point streak. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. This guy is doing so much for this team. He needs to be in the heart conversation, regardless of he's, if he's in t- top 10 in points. Um. Matt Murray, we talked, we we mentioned Matt Murray, 44 save shutout. I believe it's 6-0-2 since returning from his injury, 6-0-2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and numbers just through the roof. Uh, save percentage just shy of uh, Linus Olmark in uh, in first in the NHL right now. Um, his, his goals against is impressive. Obviously, his first shutout as a Leaf came in Dallas last night. 44 saves, as I mentioned, and we're not talking about small time saves. We're talking about, he made some big saves. I just talked about the, the penalty kill that he, uh, he helped with. Um, and you know, to be that guy, that's what the Leafs have needed this entire time is a guy who can go out there and steal games, make those big saves that you can rely upon. And when you're making 44 saves, you know, that some of them are going to be game stealers for, for your club, your thoughts on Matt Murray and welcome to the train. Woo-hoo. Yeah, if you if you weren't on the train before and you want to get on it, fine. But if you are one of those people that are like going to jump on the train while bashing him before you even play the game, get off it because you're not wanted. But at the same time, I mean, it, it's impressive. And I even went back and before the start of the season, I wasn't necessarily joking about it, but I had a gut feeling that maybe Matt Murray can, you know, have a solid season we all thought that and i'm trying to find the tweet of where it is right now but i can't find it i went back quoted it and i said so i said bull prediction matt murray will be a finalist for the vesna finalist not winner finalist i i got mocked and lambasted for saying that it's like oh my god early on in the season here we go it hasn't even started yet and look what's happening right now. He had a hell of a game last night where he was playing like a Vezna contender and he's putting up Vezna like numbers right now. Typical, I mean, typical Leaf fan thinks that their goal yeah. is going to win the Vezna trophy. Yeah, typical Leaf fan. And meanwhile, like what we're seeing right now, aside from the first game, I think that was just like, you know, more getting into group of things with the Maple Leafs new team. First start, kind of kind of nervous at that point. His glove hand looked great yesterday. But even looking at his expected goals against in that game alone, in all situations, and according to natural stat trick, it was 6.14. So 
Dallas had expected goals of six based on the number of chances that they had and high end chances that were in tight down low into high danger area. And he was fantastic. 17 high danger shots shots against 17 saves. That is what the Maple Leafs lacked last season, getting those timely saves in the high danger area. <clears throat> and Matt Murray's delivering. Uh, Ilya Samsonov is also delivering. But right now, with the play of Matt Murray, how can you not think that, you know, this is a great bounce back story for him and doing it on a team that he, you know, idolized and even doing it for his dad, too, that passed away. So this is all motivating for him. He's in it to win it. He's he's on point. And the fact that everyone is uh, like uh, the Ottawa Senators paid to get rid of him. Can we come to the conclusion paid, that paid to get rid of him and paid, paid to get rid his of contract and and his, his contract? contract. <laughs> can we finally can we come to the conclusion that it wasn't Matt Murray in Ottawa, but the team in front of him? Because when we talked about this in our very first few episodes, we were talking about how it was a very big gamble for Ottawa because of the injuries. And also they weren't in a position to succeed with Matt Murray in that. You put a better team in front of Matt Murray right now and look what's happening. For two, three seasons, Matt Murray wasn't the cause for Ottawa Senators' demise. It was the team in front of him. Can we at least agree on that? It's the same conversation that we've been having w- regarding um, Jack Campbell. And mm-hmm. here, okay, let, let me let me preface this with, I did a TikTok for the Sticks and the Six, okay? Shouted out Curtis from Alberta. Um, <laughs> and I got a comment on it that, the, the video was fine up until they saw my Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell. <laughs> and I, like to, to this, to this, you know, viewers, whatever, like to, 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 to comment to what they were saying, you know what? The guy was an all-star for the Leafs. He did what he needed he to do. He mm-hmm. did what he needed to do as a Leaf to get the job done. He didn't, he didn't excel. He wasn't above average. He was an all-star though. One season respect the guy. Okay. At the same time, you know, was I sad that they traded Jack Campbell? Yes, because of the personality he had in the room that set or sorry, not traded, let him walk walk. in free Mm -hmm. agency. Yeah. And, and and, yeah, absolutely. The the personality in the room, it it really changes people. That said, I, from the get go, from the get go, I was on the Matt Murray train. I was the goddamn conductor on this Matt Murray train. I was saying which stops we're going to stop at. Who yep. were letting on? I was opening it up. I was checking the tickets, and I was saying, "Yes, welcome aboard. Yeah. Get the hell off!" Because Matt Murray <laughs> deserved the opportunity to mm-hmm. prove himself as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Okay, yep. said and the exact same sudden, thing in my first post too. All of a sudden, we've got the top three defensemen for the Toronto Maple Leafs out of the lineup. You've got a young defense core in front of them, aside from Mark Giordano. <laughs> yeah, and we're still having the conversation about how they're the third best defensive team in the NHL. They're the third best defensive team in the NHL when it comes to goals against. Mm-hmm. And that's with having Eric Schalgren start 10 games for you. Yeah. So for those people that were, you know, standing at the train station while the Matt Murray express went by and you didn't say shit and you just mocked the fact that the Leafs got Matt Murray for future considerations while the, <laughs> along with two picks and one that only, could be a second rounder and only 75% of his salary while you stood by and w- watched that train go by. 
I'm not coming back around. There's no return trip here. The Matt Murray Express is going straight to the first round, and we'll have that conversation after five or six games. Yeah. Thank you very much. As for... I was just about to add, that third rounder is going to be like a Topinia Melopeg. 100%. You're going to get another second round player in the early third because of the Ottawa Senators. One of the deepest drafts in the last 10 years. That pick is going to be huge, and we're going to be talking about it on episode 573 of Sticks in the Six. (laughs) As As for Ilya Samsonov, and I'm glad you brought him up because there was a lot of criticism around signing him to the the one-year deal as well. First round pick, 22nd overall in 2015. Never, I mean, he got an opportunity in in Washington, but this was was with a Washington team that had won the cup. They're kind of on the down slope. Obviously, you still have a guy like Ovechkin who's chasing Gretzky's record, Mm -hmm. but you didn't have... You didn't have a healthy backstrom. You didn't have, you know, the Mike Green that put up 50 goals or whatever the hell he put up. You didn't have the same same group in front of you that you did when you you were going to, the, you know, deep into the playoffs. Now, all of a sudden, you're talking about a 25-year-old goaltender. And when we talk about goalies, we talk about how late they progress and develop. 25-year-old goaltender. He's playing second fiddle to a two-time Stanley Cup winner who nobody believed in. And he's seven and two in nine games with a 209 goals against and a 924 save percentage. Please, I, I'm I'm trying to hold back all the emotion, but please, somebody, somebody from the Oilers fan base or the Ottawa fan base or the Montreal fan base, sit there and tell me that this is not one of the best defensive teams you've seen because these two goaltenders are not only making the big saves but they're getting the play in front of them and Mm -hmm. their numbers are dictating it. And as you mentioned, you're not saying that at the end of the year, Matt Murray is going to be up for the Vesna. Nobody's having that conversation. Maybe in a joking, in a joking matter, we're not sitting here saying that, Hey, we're going to have two of the three Vesna candidates and one of them is going to win it. Again, gut feeling, which is why I put that because, you know, I also want to, you know, boost up Murray's spirits as well. Cause there was getting a lot of hate at that time. But in saying that, look at the fucking numbers. Just look at the numbers. Sit That's back. That's like numbers. Put them in a chart with every other goaltender in the league right now. And tell me that the Leafs aren't getting the goaltending they need to get past that first round. Mm-hmm. Tell me, and that's assuming that everybody's going to be healthy. That assumes that you know. That's assuming that we're going to have TJ Brody and and Morgan Riley back. And even if we don't. The defense that has stepped up, Rasmus Sandin, um, uh, Timothy, Timothy Lilligren, Lilligren. That's your Mark second Gir- right there. Mark Giordano. Tell me that has not solidified your belief in this team as mm-hmm. a defensive juggernaut. I think the way that Sandin and Lilligren has played and the way that Keith has been talking about that recently, that's your second pairing. Riley Brody is going to be your top one. And if you want to go Giordano and rotate in Justin Hall, Victor Mete, you cannot split up Sandy and Lilligren right now. They've re-found that chemistry from last season. They're playing out of their minds right now. They're earning the minutes. They're playing strong. Maybe some hiccups here and there, but they're still young and learning. And that's part of the process. But the way that they're handling it with every single situation, and like you said, just basically in that penalty kill last night against the Stars, says it all 
that just means that these two are on it. They're in their own zone. And even that goal by Sandine, like bad angle, just gets it on that. And you see the emotion on his face too. They want to succeed. They want to thrive. And that's why no matter what you say, this is going to be the, this is probably the best that defense has played in the last two, three seasons. This is the best goaltending tandem. And last week I've spit some numbers about, Sandy and not Sandy, uh, Samsonov and Murray last week in regards to high danger state percentage, five on five, whatever. Go back to listen to that episode because that still rings true this week. There's a reason why Timothy Lilligren was so highly touted when he was when he was in his draft year, and, and yeah. to have him slip to the Leafs the way that he did because of his bout with mono. I believe it was mono, mono, um, and and he slipped to where he did for the Leafs. I mean, there's a reason why they took him, right? Like. Mm-hmm. They understood what they had in Timothy Lilligren. They developed him well. He played at the AHL level um, and, and played big minutes. And then he came up. I believe he won a Calder Cup with the Marlies as well. And yeah, then, in 2017. 2017. And then he His came first up season. Building that winning mentality, right? And then he came up and played with Mark Giordano on the third pairing. Bill, again, developing the player. Playing with a guy who was undrafted and worked his tail off to be one of the best defensemen and Norris Trophy winner. I mean... They did everything right in this situation. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I'm, I'm going to go grab something real quick because I'm going to show you. I want to show you real quick. I was literally mocked. I was mocked in another TikTok video, believe it or not. Man, TikTok, TikTok is ruthless. So cruel for, for pu- purchasing this and putting it up in my basement. This is the Timothy Lilligren game used in the 2022 NHL playoffs over his locker. And the I reason I got it is because I can see where this kid's going. Mm-hmm. I truly believe I'm not saying he's going to go out and win a Norris. I'm saying he's going to be impactful. a guy that's going to be in the conversation as an impactful defenseman by the time his career is done. And I think we're just seeing the start of it. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm loving the goaltending right now um, at the beginning of the year, Alex asked for a goalie to, 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 to play at a nine nine ten to nine eighteen save percentage, and we're getting two guys playing over nine twenty. So, mm-hmm. um, and then even Eric Schalgren stepping in the way that he did, his goals against was below three, and and while his save percentage wasn't ideal, um, it wasn't it wasn't the the most horrific thing to see. Yeah. So, I. I Talk all you want about the Leafs goaltending, and there's people that are still going to sit there and hate because we live rent-free in everybody's minds. We are the hockey mecca of the world. Um, But the conversation needs to be had that the Leafs goaltending might be the best it's been in in over a decade. Yeah. So with that in mind, Band-Aid defense. We've talked about it. Riley's out. Yeah. Brody's out. Um, uh, Muzzin's out. Ben. Ben's out. Mete went down in the game against Dallas. They were playing with 5D against Dallas and still got it done. Oh, man. Connor Timmons has come up. <laughs> Mac Hollowell's played well. Yeah. Um, the Leafs have options there. I want to get your thoughts on Connor Timmons, and obviously we know how you feel about Lilligren and Sandine. So your thoughts on if the Leafs can run with it the way they are, or are they going to be looking to make a move with this Band-Aid defense right now? 
yeah, you basically summed up Lilligren as a whole. He's going to be impactful no matter what. Um, I think I, I've been on ever since he got one little stint a few years back. I'm like, he deserves more of an opportunity. Got it last season, running away with it right now. Uh, he's going to be a top four. I hope he's going to be a top four from here on out because him and Sandy are playing lights out. Um, overall with Timmons, I kind of struggled in that game you know we saw him slip up in you know the warm-ups and everything like that had some you know moments because he hasn't really played a whole lot because of injuries and all that getting back into the swing of things trying to stay healthy is the most important thing for him but I honestly thought he played relatively well um you know Looking at his stat line from that game, 69.5 Corsi 4 percentage, which is shot attempts, um, shots for percentage, 63.64. These are all at five on five. Expected goals for 66.8%. Scoring chances, 64.29%. High danger chances, 57.14%. And that's playing at five on five minutes. 13 27 overall. That's a pretty impressive stat line for someone who hasn't like played a whole lot of games in the past. So I'm I really liked what I saw from him. Um I hope it continues because he's a really strong two-way, highly competitive threat that Kyle Dubas went out and traded for him. They interviewed him at the drafts, you know, they thought highly of him to try and consider him. Now it's come full circle. And the fact that they have him in their grasp to try and shore up the depth, give them another option, but give them some stability because he looked really good as the game went on. And I'm looking to see more from him because he has all the tools, the work ethic, the strength, the smarts, and even the breakout passing. He had a couple of nice stretch passes to try and try and stretch the game up. So I'm looking to see more of that from Connor. Obviously, you know the Leafs have been linked to to Jacob Chikrin for for quite some time. Is is that even is that even really an option for the Maple Leafs right now? I want to say probably. I I mean, in an ideal world, you would still love to have someone like Jacob Chikrin on your team. There's no doubt about that. But the way that the defense is playing and the way you're getting contributions and everybody's stepping up, do you really need him? Obviously, maybe you would because you so need to replace Jake Muzzin. But with the way that Sandine and Lilligren has played, how can you not? The way that Mark Giordano at 39 is playing 23, 24 minutes a game is uncanny. The only weak hole is just basically Justin Hall. And even then, when he makes plays where he's grabbing the puck and throwing it, that brings into, into question. But you have depth that has come up and played relatively well. Mac Hollowell. Um, even though he's on an AHL contract, I really like Noah Hoffemeyer in the Marlies right now as sort of a right hand or sort of like an offensive defenseman. So you do have options right here in the NHL in the Marlies that if something does come up and you need to add another contract, you could probably look to him. But overall, I think the depth has played relatively well. So we'll see what happens from here on out. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting to hear Elliot Friedman kind of mention it, um, after or, or during the intermission that the Leafs do have time, um, you know, to focus on maybe what they have within the organization, something that I kind of talked about in my Muzzin article um, that the Leafs can look within the or the organization um, before they go out and make a big deal. Obviously they went out and got Timmons. They want to see what they have in a young guy like Timmons mm-hmm. um, on top of that. 
Um, you know, they've, they've got to see what they have in guys like Matt Hollowell. Um, he, he's come up, he's played well. He's, he's got a couple points there as well. Um, and then obviously, as I mentioned, Timmons, and then you've got the, the, the two young Swedes that seem to be stepping into their, uh, their role quite, quite comfortably as well. So big, big week for the Leafs coming up. Uh, obviously, you know, the Leafs will take on the LA Kings tomorrow night. So that's Thursday night in Toronto, um, from there, they have a home stand against the Flames on Saturday, and then we will be live at the bottom line prior to puck drop for the Leafs and Ducks on Tuesday, December 13th. That's 22 Front Street uh, in Toronto, just steps from the Hockey Hall of Fame. We'll be in the locker room studio. Be sure to come by for 4 o'clock. That's when the show happens. If you miss the show, come by and share a drink. We usually sit by and watch the game for a little bit afterwards. Um and just talk some hockey. So uh, make sure you come check us out. Uh, we'd love to meet some of our listeners. Aside from that, Peter, anything you want to share before we close it out for the night? Uh, just be on the lookout for, I mean, we talked about him at the, uh, previously with Ty Void. I'm writing something about him and his overall plan, how he's a hidden gem for the Maple mm-hmm. Leafs right now. So just keep an eye out for that. There you go. There you go. And uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter, Alex at a Hobson media. You can follow Peter at P Barracchini, or you can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes. You can also follow the podcast at sticks in the six pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, you name it. We're on all of those social platforms on top of that. iHeartRadio is really taking off in terms of our streaming. So check us out on iHeartRadio. We'll be live on YouTube on Tuesday. So check us out on YouTube. Make sure you hit the subscribe button um, and follow us anywhere that you can follow us on your streaming platforms to hear us on a weekly basis. With that said, for the folks over at Indie Ale House, thank you for partnering with us here at Sticks in the Six. We'll close it out for tonight, another episode 106. Thank you.